You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Church, you'll go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 John uh, chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7 in just a moment. Hey, we're so glad you're with us in worship this morning. If I haven't met you, I'm Brandon Hayes. I'm our next-gen pastor at Southcrest. I'm looking forward to studying God's Word with you this morning. Again, 1 John chapter 4. Hey, if you're you're a guest, you're a visitor, maybe you don't have a Bible with you, or even if you come all the time, you don't have a Bible with you, you can use uh, the Bible that's in the seat back in front of you. And you can actually, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to keep that. And that is our gift to you. We'd love for you to to dig in, to study God's Word uh, every day, even on your own. Again, we're going to be in 1 John 4, and I'm going to go ahead and read in verse 7 for us. We're going to read verses 7 through 12 says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. Anchor points matter. Anchor points. And one of my least favorite things, uh, Lauren and I moved houses about two years ago. One of my least favorite things about moving is having to anchor things to the wall. Can I get an amen? Like, <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of low amens there from the men. <laughs> like, man, hanging up pictures on the wall, it's just, oh, it's not fun. You got to anchor it right because if you don't anchor it to the right thing or in the right way, then when someone bumps up against the wall or bumps the picture or whatever, it falls and glass breaks and then like it's just bad, right? So you gotta anchor it right. A lot of you have been to to summer camps or you you remember growing up going to summer camps or maybe you're going to summer camp uh, here in a couple months and you've been or will have the opportunity to repel. You know, you're you're going down either, maybe it's like in real life, uh, like nature and you're going down some rocks or maybe it's just like a repelling wall. But... It's, it's, it's funny, most kids don't, but the adults, like when I was a middle school pastor and we'd take kids, often at the top of the rappelling tower, I would be inclined to just kind of check the anchor points, right? Like, <laughs> I don't need uh, seventh graders falling to their death and parents mad at me, right? Like, it's just, just not what we need. So you want to make sure you have good anchor points. If you've ever uh, been walking along a dock at the beach or the lake or a river, Maybe even a Playa Lake. I guess we don't really have docks at Playa Lake. <laughs> May Simmons, I guess. You, those docks have to have secure, good places for boats to anchor. Because if they don't have good anchor points, what will happen? This is not a trick question. What happens to the boats if they're not anchored well? <laughs> Yeah, they're going to they're gonna blow away, right? It's not a matter of if, but when the wind 
and the waves come, it, it's gonna spell trouble for those boats. So they're gonna end up who knows where if they're not anchored properly. Question for you. Does your sense of security and God's love for you waver because you've anchored it to the wrong things? Ask it again. Does your sense, your confidence in God's love, that He does love you, does it waver? Does it shift? Does it vacillate? I mean, sometimes it seems good, sometimes it doesn't seem good because you've anchored it, you've tied down to the wrong things. A.W. Tozer is known for this quote saying, the most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think about God. Really like C.S. Lewis kind of argued and said, well, the most important thing is what God thinks about you, which is true. What, what Tozer was saying is that nothing impacts your life more. Nothing um, influences the way that you live and the decisions you make and the, the way you feel about things more than what comes to mind when you think about God. So if, if you don't have a secure, steady anchor for God's love for you, something to hold to and cling to, then of course you're gonna struggle with, with who you are. You're gonna have times where you feel like God is for you. You're gonna have times where you feel like God is against you if you don't have a sure, steady anchor point. If you think of, of the book of 1 John uh, as, or you could think of the book of 1 John as John is walking with us. Maybe we're along, out walking along a dock, right? And as we're walking along this dock, he's been talking to us about how we can know that we know God. He's been talking to us about, okay, because you know God, here's how your life should look. It should look different. You shouldn't be the same as the, as the rest of the world. And he's talked to us about our, our love, that if we love God, we should love others. Again, we've kind of joked about it a little bit, like he just keeps coming back to it. Like one day we're gonna get it. He keeps coming back to, if you know the love of God, then you're going to love others. But then it's as if in verses nine through 10, John says, all right, stop. He stops on the dock. And he points out to this massive boulder over off to the side of the dock and says, this is what you've got to anchor your understanding of God's love to. If you anchor to anything else, your, your security, your confidence in God's love is gonna waver. So you've got to anchor down to this. So what is that thing we can anchor to? What is that really only thing that we can anchor to? Let's just kind of unpack verses nine and 10 today. Verse nine of chapter four, God's love was revealed among us in this way. That word revealed, some of you, maybe your translations say uh, made manifest, manifest, excuse me, or made clear. It's objective, it's obvious. He's saying God's love was revealed. It was made to be wide out in the open so you could see it plainly. It was revealed in this way. So what is it? What is this clear demonstration of God's love? God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our 
sins. So if you could sum up all of that into really two thoughts here. Who do we anchor to, to know God loves us? Jesus, yes. And what did he do that we can anchor to knowing God loves us? The cross, right? He died for us. That's why God sent his son and he was the atoning sacrifice for, for our sins. So John very clearly lays it out. It should be, kind of reminds you reminiscent of John three sixteen, The most obvious, clear picture that God loves us, the only safe place to anchor is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how you know objectively, not like, I'm not sure, I wonder. No, you can know God loves you because Jesus died for you. Anything else you try to anchor to is gonna prove to be faulty. It doesn't mean that God doesn't show us love in other ways, but anything besides the cross that you try to cling to is is evidence of clear proof that God loves you. I mean, you're gonna be left wanting at times. The cross is the proof. I want us to, the way we're gonna unpack verses nine through 10, think of it this way. What What are some ways, based on this text, we know the cross is a safe, trustworthy, proven place to anchor? The first one I'm gonna show you, we're gonna have three. The first one is, is maybe not incredibly explicit in the text, but it's implicit by, by what he says and really, to be honest, what he doesn't say. Here's the first point I want you to see here, then we're gonna look at the text again. Number one, you can safely anchor to the cross because its foundation is an event, not an emotion. You can safely anchor to the cross because its foundation is an event, not an emotion. Think about that. He doesn't say, we know God loves us just because he told us he does. Which That would be enough, that would be enough. But he, do, he doesn't say, we know God loves us because we have good feelings when we come to church and we sing Scandal of Grace, Brandon's favorite song ever, right? Like, no, that's not how we know God loves us. We know God loves us because God the Son, Jesus Christ, died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. It's, it's not an emotion, it's an event you can point to. Think about it. Time itself, as we, as we mark, it, uh, mark it, as we calendar it, hinges on Jesus, the God-man. He is the centerpiece of civilization. It all hinges on Jesus him. Emotions are fickle. (laughs) The cross is firm. Emotions are are, are like a roller coaster ever changing, right? The cross is fixed in place. Emotions dip and dive based on what you do. The cross is done. You know God loves you. You can anchor to the cross because it's not just emotion. It's an actual event that took place in human history. Second reason we can safely anchor to the cross. It's a little more explicit in the text. Number two is this. You can safely anchor to the cross because its foundation is God's wondrous love, not your worthiness. Read it again. 
You can safely anchor to the cross because its foundation is God's wondrous love, not your worthiness. The text, this running text tells us that God is love. And then in verses nine through 10, John unpacks it. God loves us. He loved us first. He didn't love us because we are lovely and worthy or deserving of love. No, he loves us because he is love. Look at verse nine. It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. You know what that's telling us? Jesus had to come and die our death, rise again so we could have life in him because we were spiritually dead. Dead. Like for some of you, I understand this hits too close to home because of maybe you've lost loved ones recently, but just like because of the clarity of the text. No one at a, a viewing or a funeral, even though you love that person who has passed, you don't look at a dead person and think, oh, they're so lovely, right? You don't track them with that? Like, that's why it sometimes like people, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be silly, but you don't want to be the last person in the room where the coffin is, right? Because it just kind of like, kind of creeps you out. John's saying, that, that was us. We were dead. Not like, oh, cute little newborn baby. No, we were dead. Unlovely. That's why Jesus had to come. And he says, love consists in this, not that we loved God. So again, we didn't love him, but he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So it's not that we were, you know, we were pretty good. We kind of loved God. So he loved us. No, he loved us. Even though Romans 5.10 says we were enemies of God. So not just like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm an okay person. No, we were enemies against rebelling against God, our father. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates, he shows us, he reveals us to us, his love in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah tells us that our, our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. So like the, on the day that you think you're at your best, right? Like, man, I've been living good today. I've been, I've been living right. It says that God looks at that and like, he's like, uh, uh, it's still gross. <laughs> he's so perfect. He's so holy and we are so sinful. What does it again have to do with the cross? You know it's a sure place to anchor knowing God loves you because it never had anything to do with you to begin with. I think some of us, a lot of us, maybe we struggle with, with does God really love us because we've anchored it to, to whether or not we feel worthy. You know, the whole point is, the whole point of the gospel is we're not worthy. If we were worthy, deserving of God's love, then why did Jesus come and pay the price for our sins? It's a sure place to anchor because it's based on, the cross is based on his wondrous love, not your worthiness. I love what John Stott says. And it's just one of those, there we go. He says, God loves sinners who are unworthy of his love and indeed subject to his wrath. He loved us and sent his son to rescue us, not because we are lovable, but because he is love. If God's love was based on our worthiness, how fickle would God's love for us have to be? 
Think about how, like snip, snap, snip, snap, like how fickle our, quote, worthiness would be to God. If it was rooted, if it was based on the days that you have it together and the days you don't, you could never know and settle into the fact that God loves you. You can anchor to the cross because its foundation is his wondrous love, not your worthiness. One more. Number three. You can safely anchor to the cross because its foundation is sealed with his blood. You can safely anchor to the cross because its foundation is sealed with his blood. Think about how far Jesus was willing to go to show you he loves you to the point of death on a cross. Look at that word in verse 10. It says he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Some of you may have the word propitiation. The idea is there, it refers to a sacrifice that turns away wrath. So because we're sinners, we were under and deserving, worthy of the wrath of God. But Jesus, God the Son was willing to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he bore the wrath, he, wrath, he paid the penalty for our sins so we could come into relationship with God. Amen. That's a, that's a great word. Like it's, a, it's atoning. We sang about it in that song, propitiate, propitiation. Those are words we don't think about. That's a great word that Jesus became. He, he paid the penalty and he became the penalty for our sin. What that shows us, that he was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus didn't tell you he loves you by just sending you some roses or some chocolate or making you a mixtape of awesome love songs, right? No, he was beaten to a bloody pulp and died for you. He loves you. You know, there's so many things we could point to and try to say, oh man, that's how I know God loves me. But all those other things we would point to, they're gonna shift and, and kind of change through life. The one thing that's constant and doesn't change is the cross of Jesus Christ. If, if I could sum up kind of those three points and, and the verses nine through 10 into one statement, it would be this. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus was nailed to a cross to nail down his love for you. He was nailed to a cross to nail down his love for you. So you could safely anchor to the cross. Everything else will leave you drifting at sea. Anything else you try to cling to, I, I know God loves me, it's gonna leave you wanting because it's not gonna hold. Just for fun, <laughs> What are some of those things that we, that we try to cling to, that we try to anchor to as evidence of God's love? I, I think for, for some folks, and probably most of us have been here at some point in our lives, but it's, it's really deep here. <laughs> Finding a girlfriend or a boyfriend. <laughs> Yee! 
It's kind of funny because you know it's true, right? God, if you really love me, just let me take this person. Or then uh, up in the ante, finding a spouse, right? We have some college graduates in, in the house today. Congratulations, by the way. By the way, there's a, someone wrote in red marker on this. I feel like it's getting all over me anyways on the table. Reminds me of the blood of, of Christ, I guess. I don't know. But I, I remember in, in college, I think by, by God's grace, I, I wasn't thinking in these terms, maybe because I was going to seminary and assumed I would meet somebody there. But I remember in, in, when I graduated, so many of us graduating and not, not having boyfriend or girlfriend or, or being married yet and so many people feel, feeling like God had forgotten about them. Which is just so you know, it's silly like at 22 to be worried about like, God forgot me. <laughs> but that's, that's a feeling that sometimes people have. We, we try to anchor God's love for us to an amazing job. C- can you point to an amazing job as man, like God's faithfulness and goodness in your life? Absolutely. It's totally appropriate. But if you anchor, I know God loves me because of this job, is that gonna leave you in a bind sometimes? Oh, for sure. What about getting that promotion or, or that raise? Or, or to flip it, never getting a demotion. Some of, some of us, we anchor our understanding of God's love to getting into the college or program we hope to, or, or being popular at school. I think, I think sometimes it's easy to, like, well, you wouldn't verbalize it, but it's easy to feel like, well, if I, if I'm, if I have a lot of friends, then, then God loves me. And if I'm in a hard time where I don't have a lot of friends, then maybe God forgot about me. We anchor it to our health. I it just came to mind, didn't mean to make about this, but uh, my mom, she, she, she's doing good. She, the doctors feel like she ha- has a lot, of, a lot of years left, like 10 or more. Um, but she found out recently she has cancer. And we were talking on the phone the other day, and, which my mom absolutely anchors to the cross as to know God loves her. And uh, her perspective of finding out she has cancer, cancer, she wasn't trying to be super spiritual. She wasn't trying to impress anybody, but she told me on the phone, she said, you know, it's kind of a gift, like just to know that, hey, I may only have 10 years or a few more than that. And I just want to live for what God really put me here on earth for. And I was like, you're so awesome. <laughs> but seriously, because she's anchored to the cross, the news of cancer didn't make her question if God loves her. It's settled. She knows God loves her because he died for her. Amen. <laughs> she can cling to that. What about having kids? We just celebrated Mother's Day. Was that last week? Feels like a year ago, but last week. Man, there's folks in this room. Maybe you know folks who they're struggling with whether or not God loves them because they've not been able to have kids. Or maybe when you do have kids, isn't it easy to anchor your understanding of God's love to your kids' successes? Like our kids are only four, Lauren and I. So I'm like, I don't, we're not struggling with that quite yet, but like, Man, I know that's a reality. It's so easy as a parent to, to kind of sense God's love and favor for you when your kids are doing well in school and in sports and all those things. But if you anchor it to your kids' successes, are you sometimes gonna wonder if God loves you? Yeah, because your kids aren't always gonna be the A plus kid, right? 
Nobody said amen. Good job, parents. <laughs> Way to go. You could be tempted to anchor it to other people being kind to you, to God answering prayers in the timing and the way that you think he should answer. You could be tempted to anchor it. Again, I think we would, as I say it, we all know this sounds silly, but it happens sometimes. You could be tempted to anchor it to the likes or follows or views you have on social media or to life's road rolling without many unexpected turns or red lights or potholes. Similarly, not experiencing hardship, your family all getting along. John tells us how we know God loves us is he died for us. None of that other stuff. You can't anchor to anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, the enemy, Satan would love for you to look to your situation as evidence for God's love rather than to your savior. Because he knows if he can get your eyes on your situation, you're going to question God. He would love to get you, your eyes, your focus onto your hurt rather than the healer because he knows if he can get you to fo focus on your hurt and not the healer, Jesus Christ, you're gonna begin to wonder if God loves you. Anchor to the cross. You, you could say it this way. Anchoring your understanding of God's love to your ever-changing situation will lead you to think God's love is in constant fluctuation. If you try to anchor it to your circumstance, your situation, you're gonna think God's love is always in fluctuation. Up and down, up and down, change it. Anchor it to the cross. That idea of not trying to look to your circumstance, your situation as evidence for God's love, but as John says, knowing it was revealed in the cross of Jesus Christ, anchored to the cross, led Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great preacher in England many years ago to say this, when you can't trace the hand of God, trust the heart of God. When you, you can't see exactly what God's doing, you, when you can't trace the hand of God, trust the heart of God. And where do we see the heart of God? The cross of Jesus Christ. His atoning work on your behalf. Jesus was nailed down to a cross to nail down his love for you. Anchor to the cross. I'm gonna, gonna wrap up here in a second, but I think a fair question that a lot, a lot of us would have as, I, that I had as I was thinking about, okay, anchor to the cross. John says it was revealed in the cross. So I know he loves me because of the cross. I think a fair question is how do I anchor to the cross? Like you, you're not literally like, don't, don't get unnecessarily weird just to be weird. Like you start carrying a cross around with you everywhere you go. And you're like, anchor to the cross, baby. I heard that sermon, Brandon. I right? like, please, please don't do that. Like, that's not what he's calling you to do. How do you anchor to the cross? This is not gonna be a second sermon, don't worry. But I feel like if I didn't give you some ideas here, I, I would regret it. Biblically speaking, from a biblical lens, we anchor our hearts, by the way, it's not your notes, but you, you got this. We anchor our hearts by anchoring our minds. So from a biblical perspective, a biblical lens, we anchor, we dig down, find a solid place for our hearts by anchoring our minds. 
Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it for you real quick. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Moses is giving commands that God's given to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is what Jesus later quotes in, in the New Testament. He says, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. And then he says, so I want these to be in your heart. I want you to anchor to these, to love God and to listen to what he says for them to do. So repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. He's saying, put it everywhere. Like, Make it constant conversation when you're on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, put it on your forehead, right? Like talk about it all the time. Make it visible where it's always on your heart, on your mind. If it's on your mind and on your lips, it'll be on your heart. I think about Psalm 1, 1 through 2, where he says, blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night. So meditate, choose on it, thinks on it. He will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. So when you meditate on God's word, anchoring with my mind, it, it plants your life next to streams of living water. You're anchored, you, you can dig down deep. Uh, psalm 77, it's a, it's a psalm really dealing with, with crisis and hardship. And the psalmist says, um, I'll just read it to you real quick like. Psalm, psalm 77, uh, 11 through 12, he says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. So he's in this crisis, he's in this hardship. He says, I'm gonna focus on God. I'm gonna fix my mind on God. Colossians 3, uh, one through two, Paul's been laying out the gospel, what Christ has done for us. And then he says, if you've been raised with Christ, if you have a new life with Christ, then set your mind on things above. Seek the things of Jesus Christ. Seek His kingdom. So again, how do we anchor our hearts? We anchor our minds. You fix your mind on Jesus. You can say it this way, ponder the things that point you to Jesus. Whether it be, man, I'm gonna have conversations about what God's teaching me in the word with other believers. I'm going to listen to some music that helps me focus on what Christ has done for me. I'm going to, I'm going to read some books that remind me of who Jesus is. I'm, I'm going to be involved in a small group where I, where I can grow and have conversations that center around the cross. We anchor our hearts by anchoring our minds. Cling to the cross. If you've, if you've ever been um, whitewater rafting, if you haven't, you can imagine, you, you know that in the, in the raft, in the front, at least on the boats I've been in, in the front, there is a, a rope, I'm sure there's a fancy name for it, but a rope uh, for the person in the very front middle to cling to and hang on to. So most of the people, if you've got your, your paddle, um, you have to tuck your feet and it's like uncomfortable by the fourth hour of like tucking your feet in the raft, right? Um, but if you're in the front, you hang on to this rope. And why do you do that? You do that so you don't fall out, right? Like when you hit the rapids, people get thrown out. Um, we've, had, we've had plenty of trips where we've had people uh, get thrown out. It's always a good time, right? Like it's not funny in the moment, but after you get it back in the boat, like, ah, oh, you fell out. <laughs> The per I've never been in a boat 
where the person in the front who had an anchor point, they weren't just trying to hold themselves in, they had an anchor point. I've never been in a boat where that person fell out of the boat because they had something to hold on to. The person in the front of the boat, I mean, honestly, they, they kind of have the scary view because they see things before everybody else does, right? Like you're literally in the very front of the boat just holding on for dear life. Just because you have an anchor point does not mean that you're exempt from the trials of the river, right? Like you're in the front, you're gonna get hit by the waves, you see the big rocks, you get to experience all the unexpected turns just like everybody else, but you have something to hold on to. Having the cross to hold on to does not mean that now you don't experience any of the, any of the hardships of life. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna get hit with the waves and the wind of life and have unexpected turns, but it means that you have something to cling to even when life is hard. And because you have the cross to anchor to, to, to cling to, if you'll do that, you're gonna find that you fall out into the raging waters of life a lot less. Because even though you're experiencing everything else, everybody else is, you've got the cross to cling to. And you know what's cool? Thinking about all of, of verses seven through 12 and the idea that if you love God because God is love, we should love others. If you've got the cross to cling to, when the people that you do life with fall out of the boat and they're in the raging waters of life, because you've been clinging to the cross, it's a little easier for you to show them some love and help them back in. Cling to the cross. Jesus was nailed to a cross to nail down his love for you. So cling to it. As we have a time of reflection and response, I wanna ask you just to consider a few questions and then we're gonna sing and be dismissed here in a minute. But the first one I would love, if you're a believer, for you to consider, maybe even like write down a note, piece of paper on your phone. What does it look like to cling to the cross in your daily life? What does that look like? to be intentional to cling to it. Second question, what are some of the foolish things you're prone to cling to? So, so many of us are, are, are prone, inclined, we have the habit of anchoring down to things other than the cross for this idea of, oh, God loves me. We, all that big old list I shared earlier. What are some of those things that you're prone to anchor to? Maybe just surrender those to God this morning. Again, I encourage you, maybe write them down. God, help me to quit clinging to, clinging to these and help me to, to cling to the cross. Know you love me because of the cross. And then believers, as you're, as you're considering those two, I would just say, I know a group this size, it's very probable there, there's folks in here, and I'm glad you're here, but you've, you've never anchored to the cross of Jesus. You, you've never realized that you're a sinner in need of God's grace. Maybe God is tapping on your heart this morning. Or maybe you've, <laughs> you've understood the cross in some ways, but you've thought that you earned it by being a good person. So you've kind of anchored down to, I'm a good person, that's why God loves me. No, He loves you because He's love, not because you deserve it. And this morning, Jesus is inviting you. Some of you that don't know Him, He's inviting you for the first time 
to anchor to him, to, to believe in him. That's, that's what faith is, is to anchor to Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, which is all about faith in so many ways. It's about anchoring to Jesus. That's what faith is. All my, all my hope, all my trust is in you, Jesus. My, my relationship with God, me, me going to heaven, Jesus is all founded on you. I'm just trusting you to hold me. If you this morning want to believe in Jesus, you feel God drawing you to himself and you're ready to, to have a relationship with him, simply turning from your sin and turning to Jesus, say, Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life? I believe in you. If that's you this morning, when we sing these songs here in a minute, there's gonna be some folks back at the coffee uh, area and back at the, uh, the Welcome Center. We love to talk with you, love to pray with you about what it means to know Jesus. Or maybe you're, you're a believer and you're thinking through those first two questions I gave you. You just want some prayer, some encouragement. We love to pray with you talk with you as well. I'm gonna give you just a moment to, to respond, to think, to talk with the Lord. And then here in a minute, uh, David will have a stand and we'll sing together. Y'all go ahead and take a minute with the Lord right now. If you are encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 